Sunday school teacher was teaching a group of five-year-olds. He wanted to qualify and help them understand what salvation is. And so he said, if I sold my house and my car, had a big garage sale and gave all the money to the church, would that get me into heaven? And all the kids said, no. He said, if I clean the church every day and mowed the yard and kept everything neat and tidy, would that get me into heaven? And all the kids said, no. He said, okay, what if I was kind to animals and gave candy to all the children and loved my wife? Would that get me into heaven? They all said, no. He said, well, then how do I get to heaven? And one little five-year-old boy shouted out, you got to be dead. <laughs> well, if that isn't the truth. <laughs> you know, uh, we're going to take the next three weeks and do a little series that I'm calling Covenant. Would you say that with me? Covenant. Covenant's not a word that we use a whole lot in our everyday English vernacular, uh, but it is very critical in understanding relationships from a Bible vantage point, from God's vantage point. See, God doesn't see relationships the way we see them. He's the creator, so he sees them the way they're supposed to be and how they're supposed to work. In fact, I would propose to you that relationships aren't working real well in our world, in our time frame, in our culture. I'll give you a couple of thoughts on that. 11.7 million people leave Christianity every year. They start wanting to be a Christian and then they quit and give up and don't want to be a Christian anymore. 29% of those who leave the church feel disconnected from the church. 60% say they stop believing in God and God's teachings. And many feel like God doesn't even live in their lives today. The reason that is is because they're trying to do a relationship with God from a worldly standpoint, they don't know what it is to be in covenant relationships. For the next three weeks, we're going to talk about covenant relationships. A relationship first today with God. Next week, we'll talk about a, rela- a covenant relationship with our spouse. Really critical for you that are single or engaged to learn some of these great truths. It'll help you. It'll set you free. With over a 50% divorce rate from Christians, what we need to learn is how to be in covenant relationship with one another. Most of us don't know how. And then the third area that we'll cover is how to be in covenant relationship with the body of Christ, with the church. And these we see played out all throughout Scripture. God is very, very passionate about you and I learning to do relationships His way. In fact, when Jesus was approached of all the great commandments, all the commandments, which are the greatest, and Jesus said, love God as much as you love, with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength, and love your neighbor as much as you love yourself. Jesus didn't talk about doing good. He talked about love, and he talked about relationship, both with God and with others. And so it is critical that we begin to deepen our understanding. I love you with all of my heart, and I want you to grow in your relationship with God. That's my role, is to help empower you so that you can be the man or woman of God you're supposed to be. And this is a little deeper teaching over the next few weeks. And so I know you're up for it. I know you're mature enough for it. I know that you're ready to learn how to live in relationship the way God intended. And so we can start fixing and start kind of correcting some of the things that we haven't done correctly or known how to do. So with that being said, uh, here's our key scripture found in Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 10. Go ahead and turn on your Bibles. And we'll go to Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 10. Look what the writer of Hebrews says. It says, this is the covenant, speaking of the Lord, I will make with the house of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts. 
I will put their laws, I will put my laws on their mind and write them on their hearts. See, what's supposed to happen is when we come in relationship with God, now that we're in a new covenant relationship, that what he wants to do is not write his expectations on tablets of stone, like in the Old Testament, or out of some 10-step process, but he wants us to have such a relationship with him that we on the inside change, and that his laws or his ways become a part of who we are on the inside, so it becomes natural to live righteous, it becomes natural to love God, opposed to the unnaturalness of that, and usually people have a hard time loving and responding and experiencing God, because they've never really come into a real covenant relationship with him. What many people have done is they have dated God, they have even been engaged to God, and some even feel like they're living with God, but they've never committed themselves completely to the Lord our God. And the problem with that is that our God is a total commitment God. He gave everything. He totally committed himself to us, and that should be a response relationship that we begin to have with him. And many people, I would propose, that go to church don't really have a covenant relationship with the living God. And that's why when Jesus is talking about the last moment, the, that day of judgment even, and he says, many will come to me in that day and say, didn't I prophesy in your name? Didn't I do all these good things in your name? And he's going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. See, they may have met him. They may have hung out with him. They may have even been a part of the body of believers, but they never truly had a real covenant relationship with the living God. So I want to teach you as, you, as you study the scriptures, you see all of these experiences with covenant relationship with the living God. We see Abraham and the, the covenant relationship that he had with God. We see the covenant relationship with Moses, the children of Israel, into the New Testament. These guys. And so there are some key factors or what we'll call practices of a real covenant. The key practices, and I want to take you into those today, so be prepared to write some notes, put them in your phone. I think this will help you a good bit. Number one, one of the first practices of a real covenant, uh, especially with the Lord, is that there is bloodshed. There is bloodshed. So when you study the Old Testament, you see them constantly coming into covenant, and there would be an animal that would be cut in two. There would be bloodshed, if you will, and that speaks of permanency. It speaks of permanency. If we're going to come into relationship with the living God, there has to be, it has to be permanent. No other gods anymore. No other gods before us. He wants to be our only and one God. He wants to be the one love of our life, the center point of who we are. And then from there, we can love others, a spouse and children and family members in, 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 the, in the world, therefore. But the center point has to be him, permanency. And so when you study the scriptures, like, for example, Abraham, when he comes into covenant relationship with God, God says, okay, I'm going to be your God, you're going to be my people. All your children, grandchildren, great, 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 grandchildren will be my people. Let's seal it in a covenant. I want you to go and be circumcised and circumcise all the men of your family. Can you imagine that storyline coming back? Say, listen, guys, we're now in covenant with the living God, but we got to do something. We got to be circumcised. Can you imagine those guys like, you did what? This is permanent. This is not. I mean, it's like when some of you guys, you weren't thinking when in your 20s and you got a tattoo. What were you thinking? You didn't realize it was going to be permanent. And you're not even in love with her anymore. So you got Sue written across your arm. What are you going to do? You know, so you're hoping that the next woman's name is Susie. You know, you want to, it's going to add to it or something. And, and that's kind of the whole concept here is that, is that there's, there's some type of, there's some, all, all throughout Scripture you find there's some type of bloodshed. There's some type of breakdown. And what that does is that, that talks about a cutting away, 
a cutting away of what was so important in our lives. Uh, we see it, you know, even um, uh, uh, Colossians says it like this. Look at Colossians chapter 2 and verse 11. It says, when you came to Christ, you were circumcised, but not by a physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, the cutting away of your sinful nature. Something had to die. Something, there had to be bloodshed for you and I to come into relationship. And we became Christians. We said, Lord, here's my life. Cut away every bit of everything else that I love, a cutting away of the flesh. Some of you have never even come to that. In fact, I'm frustrated with TV preachers who just talk about how good it is and how, come, come and God will give you this. And it's kind of like, you know, it's like Jesus Santa Claus, you know, is that like if you're good enough, he'll give you a bunch of little gifts. That is totally opposing concept of a relationship with the living God. It's not about what I can get. It's about what I can give because what he gave. It's about a, a permanent relationship forever and ever and ever and ever. And because most people never come into a covenant relationship with the Lord, the moment something bad happens, I'm out. They, they don't know what it is to come into a permanent relationship. There's a cutting away of who I am, of what I value, to become in relationship with the one who created me. In fact, he did a cutting away, if you will, or he shed blood. The Bible says that Jesus hung on that cross as his blood dripped down off of, that, off of his body onto the ground below after they had beat him with a cat of nine tails. After they had put a, corn, a, thorn, a, a crown of thorns on his head and beat him into his skull, Jesus shed his blood so that he could be in relationship with you and me. He died that we might live. So in any covenant relationship in Scripture, we see that there is first and foremost a shedding of blood some, some, some point. In fact, when they would get married, and we'll talk about this next week, they literally would cut up an animal, and the, and the, and the bride and the groom would walk between the parts of the animal, and they would say, let it be unto us if we break this covenant that we have with each other. Even as we see it, they would walk amongst the dead flesh and the blood as a symbol of the permanency of this relationship. We don't have permanent relationships in our culture. In our culture, ah, we might trade them in for a better one. We are automatically right. It's amazing to watch marriages nowadays, and we'll, again, we'll talk about this next week, but they'll write into, all right, this is how it's going to be, because if, we, if it doesn't work out, I'll keep my money, you'll keep your money. It's amazing the lack of permanency. If you're going to come into covenant relationship with the living God, there has to be, if you will, a permanent peace, a cutting away. Are you still with me? Say yes. See, I found that many of us love God, but, but what we really are is in a dating relationship. And Jesus doesn't want to date you. He wants to marry you. Come on, you with me? Say yes. Here's the second thing about a covenant relationship that we see throughout scriptures. Uh, one, one of the pieces that we see as a practice in covenant, number two, is that there's a name change. A name change. And that speaks to identity. There's a name change. So when God came into relationship with Abraham, his name actually was Abram at the time. And when God said, okay, we're going to come into relationship, you circumcised yourself, that's, there's bloodshed, and now there's going to be a name change. And God's name in Hebrew, the shorter version of it is just Ha, kind of like the short version of his name is Ha. And so God took his name and put it into Abraham's name, Abram's name, and called him Abraham. It was Abram, and he called him Abraham from this point forward. In other words, I insert my identity into your identity. And here's the problem. We keep our old identity, even though we've become a Christian, you're still that angry person at work. You haven't had, an, you haven't had a name change. 
You're still that guy, you're still that dad who no one can approach at home because you still just, you're just, you know, you're arrogant. You, there should be an identity change when we come into a relationship with the living God. He wants to insert his nature, his characteristics, his identity into us. That's proof that you haven't completely gone into covenant relationship with the living God if you kept your old identity. Bro, if you're still stepping out on your spouse, you have not had an identity change. Sweetheart, if you're still cussing everybody, you have not had an identity change yet. You have not come fully into covenant relationship with the living God. You say, well, I'm still working on those things. I know you are, and there's slip-ups and mess-ups, and he forgives. That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about what a covenant looks like. I'm talking about what a relationship that God requires looks like. It's a covenant relationship, not a dating relationship, not a, not a, not a hook-up for a moment, you know, friends with benefits relationship. It is a permanent relationship for all eternity. That's what he wants to have with us. That's what he gives of himself. And so there's a name change, if you will. In fact, we find that uh, we find with Jacob... You know, the Bible talks about that we are the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, or he had covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob's name originally meant, it meant deceiver, trickster. And when he came into covenant relationship with the Lord, God changed his name to Israel, which means prince of God. I want you to know, he wants to change your name. He wants to change your identity. He wants to change what you've been in the past. He want you, wants you to have ha in the middle of who you are. God, identity inside of what was your old identity being washed and removed as we come into a new place in God. In fact, Jesus says it like this, that we, when you and I take on God's identity, we then therefore have his name upon us, we then can walk in his authority. You understand that? See, it's not Adam McCain, it's Adam, the son of the most high God. So I can walk in his authority because all authority under heaven and earth has been given to Jesus. So when John 14, 13 says, whatever you pray in my name, I will go to the Father and it will be done. That's because I'm not praying for my own desires. I'm praying as a son of the most high God. So when I pray for healing for you, I'm not praying on my own strength. I'm praying under the authority of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Even though, uh, you, know, uh, you know, there's a lot of disruption right now with, you know, with our law enforcement. When they take on that badge, what they're saying is I stand with the authority of the community. The community has given me authority to be, uh, to, to reign bad and to make just decisions. That's why there's been such an outcry when there's misappropriation of that. But that badge says, I'm not, I'm not speaking on my own account. I'm speaking on the account of the collective. I, there's a power behind me. So when you and I take on the name Christian, you should never be ashamed of the name Christian. You should stand up at work and say, I'm a Christian. And I love God. I would never do that because I belong to the living God. How many Christians have misappropriated God's nature? How many of us have been wounded by Christians because all they did was buy the t-shirt, but they weren't a part of the, they weren't a part of the team? They weren't, even, they weren't even in covenant relationship with the living God. And their identity had never changed. They're still deceiver. They're still trickster. In a covenant relationship, there is a name change. There's an identity change. Are you still with me? Say yes. How many of you say, I bear God's name on my life? Come on, are you with me? Say yes. Amen. And, what that, and that's one of the reasons why I want you to understand how much God wants to do in your life in a, in a covenant relationship. And so some of you feel so insecure. So you, you struggle to even engage with God because you're still looking at yourself as a sinner. 
You're still looking at yourself as a broken individual, and you keep trying to do good things for God. No, no. Come into covenant relationship with God and say, God, kill me. I, I, I am yours. My old man is dying right here. Cut away the old flesh. I belong to you. I am yours. Thank you, Jesus, for the bloodshed. Come into covenant relationship. Change my name. Change my identity. I am yours. And then when you start living in that, then you can say, man, that Pastor Adam's so passionate. I'm not passionate. I'm a Christian. I'm just a Christian. It never made sense to me. And the reason why it never made sense to me, I didn't realize that there are people who go to church that aren't Christians. They've never come into a real covenant relationship with the Lord. They're still dating him. They're still like, I don't know. Huh. I don't know if I'm going to give you everything. I keep my apartment, you keep your apartment. We kind of go out every now and then. But I got some other people that I really like too, you know. I really like this over here, and I really like this over there. In fact, you can tell what someone loves by what they talk about, what they spend their time on. You can tell it. You say, I'm just not one of those Bible thumpers, brother. I'm just not like that. Those guys, like, they're crazy. I'm just not one of those old, those guys that just talk Jesus every time, post about Jesus. That's just not me. Mm, really? So you're still just dating him. He's just one of the many loves that you have. See, that's what covenant relationship looks like. I know that you know I love you. I'm just trying to help you. All right, here, number three, and that is an outward sign. The third thing that we see in covenant practices is there's an, always an outward sign. It, see, an outward sign is always expressing what happened on the inside, so we have to express an outward sign of what has gone on on the inside. For example, when God made covenant with Noah, he said, I'll never flood the earth again. I'll never kill off humanity through floodwaters ever again. And my covenant sign with you, Noah, that, that, that that'll never happen again, is I'm going to put a rainbow in the sky. Every time I see a rainbow, I don't think about the GLTBQ community. I think about what God promised. That's where it came from. There's no rainbow before that. God put rainbows in the sky because he wants to remind us, his followers, I will never destroy the earth again through floodwaters. He made a covenant with Noah. He said, it'll never, every time you see this, buddy, see, look, look, I promise you, I'll never do it again. Watch this. You know what he's saying? I love my people. I love humanity so much. I'm not going to do it again like that. I'm not going to start over like that again. It's not going to happen. At the end, there will, be a, there will be a destruction of all that exists, and then everything, everyone will shift to heaven or to hell. But for here, from this point forward, I'll never do this again. He made a sign, if you will. Do you know why we do water baptism? Because it's a sign of the covenant relationship that we're coming in with the living God. So we don't believe that water baptism saves you. We believe when you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that he is the Christ, the son of the living God, that he forgives you and cleanses you. And then we say to everybody, I'm a serious, I love Jesus. I may not be perfect. I may stumble, but I want you all to know it. And I'm going to be water baptized as a sign. Do you know, what that, you know what that sign of that covenant commitment is in marriage? The ring. It's the ring. It, it, it's the ring. It says, you, you, people know it too. They're looking for the ring. You know, if you're out at the club trying to hook up with somebody, first thing you're looking for is if he's got a ring or not. Mm -hmm. Why's that white? Why's that light color around your finger right there, buddy? Uh huh. I know what you're doing. I know what you are. Yeah, I see what game you're playing. Why you are supposed to be committed to a relationship? That's what the ring says. And I don't know about you guys, but whenever I went to buy Miss Jamie a ring so we could get married, I thought, dear Jesus, God Almighty, they don't sell those things in a gumball machine. Look at this thing, huh? I was, a, I was a little young minister, you know, and I was, I was kind of like a little assistant youth pastor at a church. And I'll never forget, I went and I met with them. I said, listen, I'm in love. They said, that's awesome. 
I said, I'm going to marry the woman of my dreams just like y'all taught me to. They said, that's great. And I said, and I got, I got, I'm going to have to finance her. They said, yes, you are. And I, I said, and so I need a raise. They said, you better look somewhere else, buddy. <laughs> I was like, well, I got to buy a ring. I got to pay for a honeymoon. And they were like, well, I hope God helps you. I was like, what kind of place is this? And so I started, listen, I promise you, I starved myself for six months. Because the only little bit of money I had that I could add to my budget that I could, was food. It was eating. And so, I, listen, for six months, I'd come over to your house after church. What, you, what y'all doing? <laughs> y'all eating something over here? I just wanted to visit your teenager and, at lunchtime and see if everything's okay at y'all's house. <laughs> I, go, I go from house to house. The poor little, you know, we had a little food pantry for poor people. <laughs> and they, the little lady's like, come here, Pastor Adam. We got you a bag. And they give me a little bag. Thank you so much. I'm trying to buy a ring. And I went and got that ring. Oh, my goodness. It cost me an arm and a leg. And in those days, I don't know what happened with the diamond industry, but it was so expensive. And I couldn't even get her but a little small little quarter carrot. And it cost me $1,500. And $1,500 in those days for me was like $10,000. Now, I was like, dear God Almighty. I promise you, I was all, by the time we got married, I was nothing but bones. I was just bones. I, got, I, got you. I love you. She carried me down the aisle, I'm telling you right now. I mean, because it cost me everything. I want you to understand, when I put that ring on her hand, I was like, yes, I did. This means something, let me tell you. Ain't nobody gave me this ring. I paid for this sucker right here. Don't you take it off. One time she went to take it off and wash her hands. I was like, what are you doing? You know what that cost me? Look at these ribs. Take that ring off. That might fall in the sink or something like that. When we get water baptized, we're saying, I belong to Jesus. I don't care, about, I don't care if I'm scared of water. I don't care if anybody thinks I'm stupid. I belong to Jesus. It's like putting the I have been marked by the Lord. I am marking myself as I belong to him, and he belongs to me. In every covenant relationship, there's an outward sign of what was decided inwardly. It starts with an inward decision, and then it has an, ex, a, a, an expression outwardly where everyone else can see it. Are you still there? Say yes. Let's wrap it up. The last couple ones right here. Number four, what a covenant looks like. When you're in a covenant relationship, there's always a meal associated with it, a meal, and that's a sign of intimacy. It's a sign of intimacy. Number three, the outward sign was a sign of destiny. Sorry, I kind of skipped that. Back to number four, a meal. Do you know the first thing that's going to happen when we get to heaven? Do you know what it is? It's the wedding banquet of the Lamb. We're going to sit down. We're going to eat. Come on. For occasion, that's a good thing right there. I'm going to tell you right now. I knew. We're going to eat and eat and eat. Why? All throughout Scripture, we see that they would celebrate through a meal. You think about what we're about to have here in a few weeks. We're going to have Thanksgiving. You think about who you have over at Thanksgiving. You don't have your boss that you don't like at Thanksgiving dinner. It's the people you're the most intimate with, the people you love, your family. And so you see that this is one of the expressions of a covenant relationship, is that there's a meal. In our daily lives, we should sit before the Lord for some period of time every day and just take of Him, eat of Him. The Word of God is nourishment to our soul. The reason why we read the Bible every day is not because it's a duty, that we have to check off the list. Praise God, I read the Bible. Ah. It's because it's the nutrients. And it's the, it's, the, it's the love engagement of a relationship. You think, about, you think about the first date you went on. What was it? You went to eat. 
The first thing you did was like you went out the first date, you went out to eat. Listen, they spend more money now at weddings on what happens after the ceremony. The reception is so expensive. They're like, oh, Pastor Adam, yeah, do our little wedding part. But then afterwards, it's going to be awesome. I'm like, what? Yeah, like, like, like the ceremony can only take like three minutes, okay, because... Because we got dancing, we got DJs, you know, my, my dad's got steak for everyone. And I'm like, dude, let's get this thing over. Let's go to the meal. Why? Because it is an expression of the intimacy that we have. And that why do I sit with the Lord on a daily basis and worship him and I read his word? Because I am feeding I am in, I'm in covenant relationship. We eat a meal together. In fact, I would challenge you that even as a family, you should have mealtime together. You may not can do it every day, but, but you know. I mean, we, we realized a, a, a couple years ago that, man, we were busy, so busy. And our kids all had cars except for our, our youngest, and they're all over the place. And, and we decided we, let's at least have one family meal together. And so we started sitting down one night, and it is the coolest time. I mean, you can feel God's presence as we, a Christian family, sit around the table. I make them turn all their phones off, sit them to the side, don't be playing on your phone, and let's just engage with each other. It is so intimate. It's so cool. It's like we're a family again. And then we go all throughout the week, and then we come back to that meal. I want you to understand, this is an expression of covenant, is that you and I daily engage with him, if you will, over a spiritual meal, over his word, over times together. Go there say yes. Here's number five. I told you it'd be a little deeper this week. <clears throat> and that is, in a covenant relationship, there's an expression, number five, of an exchange. An exchange of everything. There's an exchange. An exchange of God's gifts. An exchange of our life. I don't know about you, but for me, I brought Jesus my sin and he gave me righteousness. I brought to him my hopelessness, and he gave me a future hope and a destiny. I brought to him my stupidity, and he gave me his wisdom. There's an exchange in a covenant relationship. And most people are so scared to give up what they got, but they don't understand. When you come, to, when you come into an exchange with the living God, everything he got has, so I almost went, I almost went ghetto on you. Everything he got us is better than what you has us. I'm telling you. Everything that you got that you think is so valuable, when you come and say, Lord, here's my junk, here's my stuff, here's what I value. In fact, Paul says it like this. He says, forgetting what is behind and pressing towards what is ahead. He's not talking about his failures. He's talking about his trophies. So I hear a lot of preachers preach this, and I hear a lot of Christians quote this. I'm just forgetting what is behind and pressing towards what is ahead. Well, what he's talking about is not your failures. He's talking about his, he's talking about his accomplishments. I was, a, I was a Jew of Jews. I was a Pharisee of Pharisees. I, 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 was, I was hierarchical, if you will, in the church life. I was one of the top ten you know, main guys in church life. And I laid all that down to be in relationship with the living God, forgetting what is behind and pressing towards what is ahead. Friend, can I tell you something? Your identity, and I, and I try to help people say, get this all the time. My identity, I'm not a, 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 a short, sexy, brilliant White guy. I'm a son of the most high God. 
I'm not identified with my skin color or my background that I came from. My identity is wrapped in, because I'm in covenant relationship with him. I, I'm, not, I'm not this little guy with this little past. I'm not this little person with this little thing. I'm, I'm not identifying, and that's why I, we can have a multiracial, multigenerational church. Why? Because I'm not identified. I, I'm not, I refuse to be identified as a little white guy who maybe votes Republican. I, refu- I, I, am, I am God's son. I am a son of the living God. You are a daughter of the living God. You are a son of the living God. Our identity is in Christ because we're in covenant with him. I'm not in covenant with a political party. I'm not in covenant. I'm not in covenant with some fascist group or something. I am identified in Christ. That's why everywhere I go on the planet, I can find others in covenant and say, that's my brother right there. That's my sister right there. I, listen, our bloodline is the same. I, I don't, in, in, there, in, the, in the heavenly, you know, ancestry.com, you find me right under Jesus. I'm in his tree line. I have been adopted in. I, I'm not, I'm, you know, you go and do the DNA, DNA test, and what you're going to find in me is a person who's in covenant with God and you're going to find the blood of Jesus flowing through my veins. I'm his DNA. I'm not everybody else's DNA. And until you get into that kind of covenant relationship with him, you'll keep trying to figure out, am I, am I with this group? Am I with that group? Am I with this group? That's why it doesn't matter to me if you're Baptist, Pentecostal, Methodist. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, we are brothers and sisters of Christ. We have the same DNA. We are in covenant relationship. My identity is wrapped in Christ. That's the only thing that's going to fi- fix the conflict that's upon our nation right now is that the Christians recognize who we are and who we're in covenant with. I'm loyal to him. First and foremost, him. Then I'm I'm loyal to her. And then I'm loyal to you. That's what we're going to be learning about over these next three weeks. What does a covenant look like? And some of us don't know what it is to be in covenant with God. We don't know what it's like to be in covenant with with a spouse. And so there's fear. There's intrepidation. You know why I don't fear that God's going to abandon me? Because I'm in covenant with the living God. Do you know why I don't fear falling apart and, 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 being, and being a loser and, and cast out because I wasn't spiritual enough or because I sinned? Because I'm in covenant. Because I'm his. I may, be the, I may be the one that's idiot kid, but I'm his kid. I may be the one he has to whip more than everybody else, but I'm his kid. I'm in covenant. Are you in covenant with the living God? Do you have these pieces at work in your life? When you study out covenant relations, what God wants to be in with you, He doesn't want to date you. He doesn't want to be, you know, your plus one. He wants to be your one. One of He He doesn't want to, to, to He doesn't treat you like one of billions. He treats you as the one. He loves you. He shed his blood for you. He wants to change your identity, your name. He wants to put in the middle of who you are. When people look at you and say, man, I see God in you. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. I don't deserve it. I can tell you that now. But I'm in covenant relationship. He wants to commune with you daily. Let's have a meal with you every day and sit and look across the table at you and say, I love you, baby girl. Look at this truth that I have. Look at this truth from thousands of years ago. It'll help you right now in your present situation. Thank you, Dad. Thank you so much. He wants to cut away the old identity that keeps lingering. You haven't really let go of it. We are supposed to be new creatures in Christ. Old things passed away. Everything has become new. But we continue to try to identify ourselves in an old covenant. See, the old covenant in the Old Testament 
was based on works. And we keep trying to live our Christian walk in an old covenant that's been nullified. The new covenant is based on relationship with the living God. A covenant relationship with God where our hearts have been cut. And that which was dead has been cut away. Blood has been shed on the cross, Jesus Christ, for our sins. And you and I come in to a relationship with him. And that covenant relationship grows and expands. I want you to stand with me across the room. Set your Bibles down for a moment. I want to minister to you. See, the old covenant was based on duty instead of devotion. The old covenant had nothing on the inside. It was all external. That's why, that's why Paul was able to say it's been done away with. We don't need to do all the old external things. We don't need to kill animals anymore. In fact, that's wicked. We don't need to kill little animals to be in relationship with the living God. That was a symbolic piece for those hundreds of years to show us the permanency of the relationship we were supposed to have. But Jesus died once and for all permanently. He made a permanent move to have a permanent relationship with you. Is your relationship with the Lord permanent or is it hit and miss? Ah, you know, I might walk away. Things don't go my way. As you stand here and look at me, I want to tell you one last little story. I was preaching on the West Coast, and it was late. We finished ministering to people about 11 o'clock at night, and the only thing open was Applebee's, I think it was. So a group of us went to the Applebee's, and out standing in front of the Applebee's were all these, about five or six millennials. They had all been drinking all night. Came straight from work, been there five, six hours at Applebee's drinking. As we walked up, we had some little Christian t-shirts on, and one of the the gal standing in the middle of the circle outside, you know, just kind of, they're all standing around talking, smoking, drinking. Saw the shirt that had something about Jesus on it. She said, Jesus, what is that? So I just walked over. And I said, well, we're Christians. We love God. And we just had a gathering of Christians and just kind of strengthening one another. <clears throat> but I think it's kind of God that I'm standing here to talk to you. I think he wants a relationship with you. This other chick standing there goes, I don't effing care about God. He's an effing fake. Christians are nothing but effing fakes. And so I looked at her. She had a wedding band on. I said, sweetheart, I'm sorry you're so upset about that. I said, I said, what do you mean? I used to be a Christian when I was a kid. And I started, my, the pastor's son was my boyfriend. We started sleeping around and stuff. And guess who they kicked out of the church? Not him, me. It's all effing hypocrites. My heart just bled out. See, she never knew God. She never had a covenant relationship with the living God. You could tell just as she began to explain her situation. I said, sweetheart, I want you to know God loves you. I don't know what those people did right or wrong. I wasn't there. But I can tell you. Are you married? She goes, yeah, I have two daughters. I said, you have two daughters? Yep. And I spoke a word to her. I said, those two little girls are sitting at home right now while their mama's out getting drunk with coworkers. They'll never know about the living God. I don't know what happened to you. I don't know why that happened. I said, but I want you to understand something. Those little girls don't even get a choice to know about God because you're so bitter and you're so hateful. You're so angry. And I want you to know that God wants a relationship with you. But how sad that you're going you're gonna to destroy your children 
and destroy your family because of bitterness that you have. God wants you to know he loves you. And it's time for you to stop playing games and repent because you never married God. You just dated him just like you did that pastor's kid. The power of God came over her. She started shaking. She sobered up. Nothing like a preacher to mess up your buzz, right? Like mess up their buzz. She was like, all of a sudden she was sober. She was ticked off. She wasn't slurring anymore. She's like, dang. She got down on her knees right there in front of Applebee's and she said, I need Jesus. I said, whoa, 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 whoa. I don't know. I'm talking about heaven. I'm not talking about the benefits. Are you willing to die today to yourself? And let Jesus have full reign of your life. And she said, yes, I'm tired of what I am and what I've become. I said, right, because look at what you are. I don't think you ever dreamed about being this when you were 16. And she began to weep. I prayed with her. She radically saved. She came into a real covenant relationship with the living God. Don't date him anymore. Don't be mad about what didn't happen right. Today. It's time to reestablish some covenant principles in your life. I want you to bow your heads with me across the room. As you've got your head browed, your eye closed, we were talking about practices of a covenant. And I want to call for you to deepen your covenant relationship with the Lord today. A fresh commitment to these practices. A fresh commitment to give everything, Lord. It's all yours. My kids are yours. My job is yours. It's all yours, God. There's got to be a great exchange for there to be a real covenant relationship. It's got to be an exchange. I give you this, you give me this. And God says, give it to me. See, some of you are still struggling with tithing and all these principles in Scripture because it's yours, it's mine, it's mine. Friend, you are not in covenant relationship right there. It's a broken space. I love you. I love you too much to let you continue down that. It's time to refresh that outward expression and say, you know what? I belong to Jesus. I belong to Jesus. Some of you work in an environment, none of those guys know you're a Christian. Some of you, if I looked on your Facebook, I would never think you were a Christian. If I followed you on Instagram, I'd be like, dear Jesus. I might know you as a Republican. I might know you as a Democrat. But do I know you as a person in, in, in covenant relationship with a living God? What is your identity? He wants to change your identity. He wants to put the ha inside of who you are. That everyone goes, that right there? I don't know about everybody else, but that dude right there is a real Christian. I don't know about them other guys. But that sweet girl right there who works with me, that's a real Christian. I'm going to tell you that. I can see the inside of her. It's like God oozes out of her. Friend, it's time to deepen that relationship. For some of you, for some of you, you have never, ever, 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 ever let go and let God. Today, right where you stand, I want you to refresh that. I want you to refresh that. I want you to start making a commitment to have a meal with him every day. He said, a meal? What are you talking about? Come on, I've already explained that. To sit 10 minutes, 30 minutes. Put on a worship song and just sit with him and read his word and let him feed you. Talk to him. Pour out your heart. Say, God, I don't know what to do with this right now. I don't know how to be a good man. I don't know how to act like you in this environment. Jesus, I need you. He says, come on, friend. This is not duty. This is devotion. I'm talking about outward. I'm talking about inward transitions to where you come into covenant relationship. I'm talking about giving yourself to the living God. Coming into and refreshing the covenant relationship that you made. The reason why we do marriage encounters and we, we do date nights is because we recognize that, that we got to refresh that covenant that we made when we first got married. we got to do the same with the Lord right here, right where you stand. Make those 
fresh, fresh commitment to the practices of covenant with him. Now, with every head bowed and every eye closed, maybe you say, Pastor, man, as you're talking, I'll be honest with you straight up. I do not think that I'm in relationship with Jesus. I, I do not think that I'm in a covenant. And, and I'm tired of dating him. I'm tired of it. I, I, I realize that the reason why I can't have a real relationship with God because I am only dating him. I live with him a little bit and then I'll go back to my old ways and I just don't, I won't give him all. I won't make the commitment. I'm scared to make the covenant commitment because I don't want to mess up and I've got all this happening inside of me. But today's the day I'm done. I'm done with halfway loving. I'm done with halfway living for him. I'm done with a halfway commitment. I want, I'm going all in. I'm, all my chips are on the table. I want God, and that's all I, I want him in my life, and I don't care what it costs me. If that's how you feel right now, that is a genuine salvation peace that's coming to you. That is God tugging on your heart. That's God saying, I love you, baby girl. I want you in my life. And that's you responding. And today, with deep. This is eternal. If that's you, I'd like to pray with you. I'm not going to call you forward. This is deep. This is eternal. This is permanent. I'm not talking about a tattoo that you can wear a long sleeve over. I'm talking about your heart permanently being replaced with the heart of God. Your identity changing. Your value systems changing. Because you go all in. And you cut away all the other loves. And he becomes the love of your life. That's you. The Bible says it like this. Confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and I'll forgive you and cleanse you. I will start a covenant relationship with you. If that's you right now, you say, Pastor, I need God. Maybe you used to be a Christian and you walked away. Today's your day to get it right with the Lord. I want to pray with anyone who say, Pastor, that's me. It's time. It's time. I'm tired, I'm tired of living like this. I want God in my life, and I'm ready to make a full commitment to him. With no one looking around, if that's you, would you just slip your hand up? I want to know who I'm praying for and who I'm leading in repentance. God bless you. Anyone else? Yes, sir. Quickly, don't be ashamed. Come on, this is the moment. You've got to make a decision. Do you want God or not? Yes, sir. Are you ready to be his man? Are you ready to be his, his daughter, his woman? You ready? Anyone else? Give me about three seconds. Thank you for taking time to think about it. It's permanent. Yes, sir. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. Anyone else? Thank you. I saw that hand, too. This is for you. This isn't for me. This isn't for me. I, I'm telling you, I know my God. I know where I'm going if I die today. I have no doubt, no fear. I'm in right relationship with the living God. Amen. You can put your hands down. I'm going to lead you in this prayer, this prayer of repentance, this prayer of dedication, this prayer of covenant, if you will. We see that there was a, an exchange Today, God wants to exchange your brokenness for his fullness. He wants to exchange your hurtfulness for his healing. He wants to make that exchange with you today. Jesus paid for every bit of that on the cross. I'm going to lead you in a prayer, a prayer of repentance, a prayer of dedication, a prayer of confession and believing in your heart. And I'd ask everyone in the audience to pray out loud alongside of those who lifted their hands. Now, those of you who lifted your hand, this needs to come from the depths of who you are. As you repeat this prayer with me, it's, it's not just words. It's you crying out to God, and I'm just kind of leading you in it. And it's going to jumpstart this relationship. Say it like this. Say, Jesus. A little bit better. Jesus, today, I admit, I'm a sinner, and I've sinned against you. But here and now, I ask for your forgiveness. I ask you to forgive me and cleanse me and make me whole. Jesus, I accept what you did for me on the cross. I am now yours and you are now mine. Mark my heart with all of your love. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I thank you 
that my name is written in your book of life. And I promise to serve you all the days of my life in Jesus' name. Now let me just pray over you for a second. Keep your head bowed. Father, I pray for every man and woman who just cried out to you. I pray right now, 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 they would feel peace. Peace. Lord, that old religion that's the old covenant that they have to perform, that they have to do works for your glory, Lord, let that, let that be melted by truth. The truth that they've now come into relationship. And it's in that covenant relationship that you, you will change their actions only because the heart is being changed and has been changed. The insides. It's what's on the inside that makes a man unclean, the Word says. God, I pray right now they would sense a fresh joy. I pray for revelation. Revelation of who you are. Who you are and who they are and how your relationship can work from this point forward. Lord, I pray against the old lies. The moment they make some mistake, the moment they smoke another bag of weed or something like that. Aha! See, you didn't mean it. You're fake. You're a hypocrite. They say, whoa! No, I'm not. I may not be perfect, but I am forgiven. And I sense His love and I fall down on my face. I say, Lord, help me with this habit. God, I thank you right now that your truth wins out and lies are destroyed in light of your glory. And Jesus, I ask you for peace and joy to dominate the lives of these fresh new believers who've come into covenant relationship. May they enjoy mealtime with you. May they enjoy the exchange. Lord God, as they give you their depression, you'll give them your life. Lord, as they give you, Lord God, their hopelessness, you'll give them hope and destiny. Lord God, as they come before you and they exchange their fear that you'll give them courage. Lord, that we would model that as other believers in front of these new believers. That we would model what it looks like to live in the great exchange every day. To be in covenant relationship with the King of glory. And Lord, may we never forget that we are in covenant with you all our days. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said amen and amen.